I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. What is up, my beautiful people? This is Into the Net FC, the soccer talk discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. I am the Bear of Texas, and let's welcome back Steve. Steve, you ready to talk some soccer today? Yeah, boy, I'll tell you, no shortage of talking points with the CONCACAF qualifiers and everything. So, uh, I mean, that's a lot of soccer. I mean, you know, three international games in six days with travel, time zones, incredible change in weather. So, um, you know, it's... It, it's what we live for, the World Cup qualifiers. What can we say? What can we say? But we'll keep the World Cup qualifiers for our next episode. But today, we really have to speak about a certain player because I have to be honest, I had no idea who he was until you brought it to my attention with that video you shared. And that video you shared, Steve, I'm not going to lie, it did actually bring up some emotion. And I'm talking about Jean-Pierre Adams. Yeah, I had heard about him when I was a college student in Montpellier, France. And I was doing a little bit of digging in uh, my friend Bernard Massé's, one of his books, and uh, saw that there was a guy with the last name of Adams. It's a very Anglo-Saxon last name. And uh, for a guy named Adams to be playing internationally as a defender for France, I was, I was very, very intrigued uh, to hear about that. You know, it's just unbelievable because... You know, the fact that that dude spent nearly 40 years in a coma because of a mistake, you know, it's it's beyond me. And, and, you know, going further, I mean, the fact that a hospital, and we'll get to all the details in a little bit, but the fact that a hospital makes a serious mistake, it does this to them, and they never apologize, it's just absolutely pathetic. And you brought up a good point, I mean, saying, well, you know, because, because of the whole thing, I mean, I don't want, I don't want to... You know, uh, upset any people, but you know the, the the bottom line is the hospital never apologized, never took responsibility. Well, I think too to to back up a little bit, Jean Pierre Adams was actually born in Dakar, Senegal, and um, which makes it even more interesting with that very Anglo last name, uh, and then Jean Pierre, which is a Christian name for French for John Peter. And uh, Senegal is a country that's, you know, 90-plus percent Muslim. Uh, went to France as a 10-year-old. His family wanted him to get an education in France. And then while he was there, they discovered that, you know, the kid could play soccer, you know, pretty darn well. Um, and then it was really when he was in the French army and he was playing with French army teams that people really noticed that uh, he was really a solid defender. He was strong. He had good pace. Not particularly tall for a central defender. I mean, even by 1970 standards at 5'10", you know, not exactly a, a hulking presence. Um, played, for, played for Nice, played for Paris Saint-Germain. And, uh, well, he started out, before he went to Nice, he was at Nîmes. He was at Olympic Nîmes before he went to Nice. Um, helped Nîmes uh, finish one year, I want to say 1974, they finished in second place, which was the best finish that Nîmes has had probably in my lifetime. And, uh, you know, he worked his way up. Um, the first, uh, first player who was born in Africa 
in sub-Saharan Africa to be naturalized French citizen, play for the French national team. He was the first. And in an era, too, where you did not see a ton of black players in the big leagues in Europe, uh, Jean-Pierre Adams and Marius Trezor, who at the time was uh, playing with Marseille, uh, those two ended up playing together internationally for France. I mean, they were a pretty good central defense uh, duo. So has this really good career. Um, and then when he's done playing, he gets into coaching, uh, has a knee injury, which is want to happen when you're kicking the ball around and playing basically is to get surgery for a torn tendon in his knee. And the hospital that they were doing the procedure at in Lyon, it was really kind of a perfect storm. There was a nursing strike that was going on. So with the nursing strike, there was a shortage of nurse anesthetists to help out um, with the anesthesiologist. So the main anesthesiologist was basically having to juggle eight surgeries that were going on at the same time. So the anesthesiologist who was handling Trezor's surgery and doing the anesthesia, he was actually the equivalent of, in the U.S., what would be an intern. So basically, it was like putting a young intern in charge. Something goes horribly sideways with the anesthesia Trezor is given too much of the anesthetic, um, goes into a coma, never really fully regains full 100% conscience. And the surgery actually occurred in March of 1982, and it was actually while I was studying in France at that time when he actually had the surgery. And um, after, after a few days... Uh, the hospital said, well, we can't take care of him anymore. And um, Jean-Pierre Adams' wife, Bernadette, she basically took over her husband's care. She did total care, feeding, moving him around in bed, uh, changing diapers. This woman did this Pretty and oh, by the way, they also had two little kids at the time when uh, when things went sideways. Uh, she did this pretty much without any help. And people should be aware too that there's a lot of differences between healthcare in France versus healthcare in the United States. And you can certainly debate, you know, the pros and cons of both. Um, France actually has people in France actually have a. a longer life expectancy than we do here. So, you know, maybe we shouldn't uh, crow too much about it. But the one difference is here in the United States, we're a very litigious society. We live on lawsuits. We keep a lot of lawyers busy in American healthcare. And um, if this type of thing, if this type of, of negligence, even though it was kind of the perfect storm waiting to happen, the anesthesiologist, I don't think, was 100% totally at fault. He was given an impossible situation of keeping track of eight surgeries going on at the same time and trying to supervise interns to basically be the ones that were responsible for passing the anesthetic gas and monitoring vitals and all that. 
Uh, it was just really this perfect storm. But that said, if this was something that had happened here in the United States, there's no question in my mind that the, the, the Adams family would have gotten a seven-figure settlement at the very least. They would have had enough money to pay for in-home nursing care uh, so that you know Bernadette wouldn't be breaking her back doing total care uh, on a five foot ten, hundred eighty pound adult, and also raising her kids. Um, and there was really no help from the hospital, no help from the French state. The money that came to help Bernadette Adams out in this situation was done by former teammates of Jean-Pierre Adams. Some of his old teammates from Nice, some of his old teammates from Nîmes, uh, guys with the French national team. They did benefit matches. They did fundraisers. Um, they did a lot to help take care of Jean-Pierre Adams. And I mean, it's to their credit that they stepped up when the French state and the hospital in Lyon just so unbelievably dropped the ball. And as far as the punishment for the docs, uh, 750 euro fine and one month where they weren't able to practice their profession. An incredible slap on the wrist. I mean, it was just, and, and it took until the 90s. It took until, I want to say, 93 when a court came up with that decision. So this was like 10, 11 years after the whole debacle with this surgery. Um, uh, Jean-Pierre Adams, he was able to, he was aware of his surroundings. He could react to noise. He was able to eat. He was able to drink. Uh, amazingly, a lot of times when you think of somebody in kind of a semi-vegetative state or things like that, a lot of times, here in the U.S., a lot of times they usually have a gastroscopy tube and they get nutrition from that. But in his case, since he was able to swallow, um, you know, Bernadette would, would make, using the blender, um, she would come up with uh, nutrition to, to feed him. And when you get married, there's this part of your vows that you talk about, you know, the, do you take, do you take this man? Do you take this woman in sickness and in health? There are a lot of people who, when confronted with a situation like this in healthcare, and I mean, I've seen it. I've been a nurse for 31 years. I've seen it where when something catastrophic has happened and, you know, people have divorced their spouse, the spouse ends up getting mothballed, put into a long-term care rehab facility. They just wash their hands of the situation. Bernadette took care of her husband 24-7, 365 days a year for 39 years until he finally passed away this past week. I cannot even begin to express the amount of admiration I have for Bernadette Adams and what she did 
and sticking by her husband and doing total care for him after this catastrophic event and while doing that also raising two sons who are now adults you know it's just absolutely incredible i mean every word you said you know it's 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 absolutely incredible and you know and i would hope that the french government is considering honoring her because of this fascinating story i mean like you said tending to her husband all these years while raising two little boys you know and and his friends and his teammates you mean that's family that's friendship i mean see bernadette this whole thing kind of reminds me you know um the rock star how the story about ozzy osbourne how like during his days like his tough top days with black sabbath how he was you know partying the excessive drug use and alcohol use you know there's that story how his wife sharon stuck with him and helped him you know get clean so it's just so really good when you see these mar- these marital vows and you know there's just there's just really that you know that love it, it, it it's just absolutely incredible and and actually, believe it or not, I, I believe uh, Paris Saint-Germain, as well as Nice, uh, I, I, even they actually, uh, you know, did their best to actually help out as well. Yeah, they did. They did. And uh, again, I think it speaks highly to, to the football community in France and, and these players who, you know, step forward. And, um, you know, Bernadette Adams, I mean, just what, what an incredible woman. And... Um, in this whole tragic, sorry episode, you know, she shines with her humanity and sticking to it. And, you know, just you know, when you look at the interviews that, that you can look up on YouTube, by the way, um, you can still see the, the, you can hear the tenderness in her voice when she talks about her, her husband. And it's no act. I mean, she just she generally generally cares and loves loved her husband just so much, and um, you know she gave it all. You know, you know, God God bless her. I mean, that's why I'm seriously saying the French government sh- should really considering should consider honoring her. And I would hope that the French national team too. You know, I think the the French national team, PSG and Nice. I mean. The fact they helped out, uh, I, I still really believe that they're still going to stick with her uh, at her side and help take care of her. I mean, I'm, I'm actually pretty confident or pretty sure that the French national team also did their best. Because, you know, I, I was talking about this with my dad, and you know, and my dad actually told me that, you know, when this, was, when this supposedly happened, my dad had actually recently just arrived in France. And, you know, he was beginning to watch soccer, but, but you know, but, but during the time when, um, when Jean-Pierre and uh, Mario Stresor were literally just absolutely a super dynamic duo that you've never seen before i believe they were actually nicknamed uh like the black uh, the black guard you know because they were so amazing you know at, at defending uh, alongside each other but you know because you know every time i mention the name marius trezor my dad always always says uh you're, you're too young you're too young to remember marius trezor and which is true and i don't mean i don't mean make you and my dad feel old but but you know it's, it's incredible because it's unfortunate that his tenure with the French national team, well, I don't want to say it was a total failure. I mean, unfortunately, in the 70s, France was was not a very good team. You know, the failure to qualify for the 1974 World Cup, you know, and, you know, and I believe Adams only had, like, 22 appearances for the national team. Yeah, but, you know, still, yeah. I, I mean, it was, it was a pretty incredible accomplishment for the time. And there, there's no question in my mind that the next time France plays an international match, World Cup qualifier, 
it's a pretty safe bet that they're going to do something to pay mad props to the Jean-Pierre Adams. I, I'm 99.9 convinced they'll they'll have to do something because uh, I think a lot of people weren't really aware of what was going on with him. You know, the whole out of sight, out of mind. And um, anyway, but I, I'm pretty sure they will. And um, it was just it. He was such an amazing success story, you know, immigrant kid from Senegal, you know, goes through the school system, French army. I mean, going from the French army and getting noticed and then playing division one soccer in France, that's not the usual stepping stone. And I would, I would dare say today it's almost unheard of. I can't, I can't even think of any French international who was, who was discovered while he was playing with one of the branches of the French military. I would say that back then, you know, because in his case, like you mentioned, he's from Dakar, Senegal, you know, and then he moved, so I believe moved to France. Uh, it was actually doing, I was doing research, I, th I believe he was doing a, a, a Catholic pilgrimage, and he ended up actually being adopted by a French couple not long after he, after he arrived. But yeah, you're right, you know, the fact that he served in the French army and then got noticed, I think in his case, that probably was the only way he could possibly be noticed. Because maybe if it wasn't been for his service in the French Army and him playing for the military team, maybe he never would have been noticed. Well, and I mean now, scouting for talent is just such a different game now. It's You can't even begin to compare looking for talent now compared to, you know, back in the, the late 60s or early 70s. And... Uh, you know, it's. I don't know if you'll. I don't think you will ever see something like that ever again because the kids that are really good, they discover them early. You know, when they're like little kids. I mean, you think of like you know, Lionel Messi, who was like twelve or thirteen when he moved from Argentina to go to the youth academy in, in Barcelona. So I mean, it's just such a whole different world now, and um, you know, the chapter is closed. Um, I mean, his was an extraordinary life, you know, for, you know, 30 plus years was an extraordinary life. And, you know, he was robbed of an opportunity to watch his kids grow up. He was robbed of a chance to, to share his knowledge. I mean, he was getting into coaching and, you know, what kind of a stamp uh, Jean-Pierre Adams could have done with coaching, you know, young players in, in France, you know, we'll never know. I mean, that's, that's, that's another loss. I got to ask you, would you say that Jean-Pierre Adams and Marius Trésor were basically the, the, uh, the inspiration for, for players of African ancestry to like represent the French national team and have success playing soccer in France? Well, Marius Trezor was the first French player that I that I really liked, you know, because he played for Marseille and uh, with the French national team, and he was such a good defender. And um, and again, you got to remember, I mean, if you look at old pictures, you know, from uh, French clubs in the the mid late seventies, uh, it was pretty white. You didn't see a whole lot of black faces. And, and, I mean, that was true with a lot of the European leagues. I mean, it wasn't unique to France. I think France was probably the first of the European countries uh, to really diversify 
you know, and uh, they had players that came in um, from Martinique, Guadeloupe. Um, Jean Tigana was born in in Mali, and his immigrated his family immigrated from Mali to France. And uh, Tigana was a very good player with France in the in the early and mid eighties. Um, and you had all these other guys that were from Martinique, Guadeloupe. Uh, you had some of the players that were from Algeria uh, that were Pinot Noir. Um, they were of European background, but they but they grew up in Al Algeria. Guys like Christian Lopez, um, trying to draw a blank. Uh, but anyway, oh, Francois Lorios, his family, he. He was born and as a little kid when uh, things went down in Algeria and after they gained independence in 62, family left Algeria and they came to France. So I think France was always a little bit ahead of the curve there. And then I think the culmination of that was obviously the 98 World Cup um, when, I mean, it was such a diverse team and it, it represented... Uh, that France is indeed a country of immigrants. So Jean-Pierre Adams, he was the first. He was he was really he, and then a little bit after him, Marius Trezor. Those two, in my opinion, they were the they were the trailblazers as far as uh, as far as black players getting success playing in France and kind of opening the door for other players. You know, and just like you know, you know how you mentioned uh, Guadeloupe, uh, Marius Trezor was actually born in Guadeloupe. Yep. Yeah, yep. It, it's, it's just you know, it, it's it's just ab absolutely incredible because you know, you know, as far you know, in Adam's case, and let's not forget, you know, Patrice Evra was also born in Senegal. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so I think you know, there's there's a lot to reflect on with this whole story of Javier Adams' passing this past week. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a success story. It's a story of love. You know, he meets, you know, Bernadette is just this incredible woman. And it's a story of success, and then it becomes this story of, of tragedy. And, um, you know, as somebody who's a nurse... You know, you, you you realize too that in healthcare, mistakes happen. You hope that you're not on the receiving end of it when it happens. But you know, doctors and nurses are humans, and mistakes happen. And I've always been curious. I don't know if those doctors involved. I don't know if they've ever spoken to the press. I, I frankly haven't researched it, but all I know is is that if if I did a medication error that killed a patient, or God forbid, do something like what happened with Jean Pierre Adams, because what happened to Jean Pierre Adams to me was, you know, in my opinion, was a fate worse than death, and um, I don't know if I could live with myself if if I ever made an error like that. And you think, too, that, you know, these these physicians, if they're still alive, you know, they've had to live with that for 
for 39 years. So, you know, they may not have paid a lot financially, but you still have to look at yourself in the mirror every day. And again, is a perfect storm. Strike situation, staffing was totally for shit, and they still went ahead and did these surgeries. And I think what a lot of doctors in the U.S. probably would have done in a similar situation, I think a lot of docs probably would have postponed the surgery. I think if they felt that they weren't adequately staffed, uh, if they felt that they wouldn't be able to, to monitor the anesthesia safely, I think a lot of docs would say, you know what, this is repair for a, a ruptured knee tendon. This isn't surgery for, it's not like doing a transplant or open heart surgery where if the patient doesn't get it, the patient's going to die. So it's not like that. This wasn't, this wasn't a 100%, you know, do or die type of surgery. It was, you know, it was kind of an optional surgery. So, I mean, that's the thing that makes it, you know, even, even crazier is that, uh, you know, it was, it was a fairly minor surgery that had this catastrophic result. Now that I think about it, I pro I definitely would have said, yeah, postponing the surgery would be good. Because like you mentioned, it was basically an intern who had to administer the anesthesia. And, you know, and, and administering anesthesia, it, it's not a simple thing. It's not like you just take a needle and inject it. I mean, that's not the ball game. It's it's much more sophisticated than that. I mean, this, this is, you know, nursing and all that. It, it's such a brutal field. I mean, it, it amazes me how people who are that arrogant and ignorant to kind of disrespect that kind of field saying, you know, as saying that this job is easy. I mean, you, in your case, you've been a nurse for over 30 years, right? 31 years. And you've had more than, you've had more than a fair share of people telling you you're a nurse. What do you know? So I've had that happen. I have had that happen. I, I actually, I actually had somebody a few weeks ago, I had a patient on the phone and they wanted to have an appointment in person with the doc, even though they had a cough and a sore throat, I said, no, this is going to have to be telemedicine. So I had to set them up with a telemedicine visit. And as I'm saying goodbye to her on the phone, she says, oh, by the way, you nurses aren't heroes because you chose to do this job. So, you know, um, but I think, you know, backing up a little bit, you know, in the meantime, you know, well, it's really easy to fire a lot of shots at the hospital, the anesthesiologist, the poor intern. You know, these guys are human, too, and they made a terrible mistake and they've had to live with it. And, um, you know, most of us, most people out there with their jobs, they have a bad day at work. You know, nothing necessarily bad is going to happen to somebody. But in healthcare, you know, if you're a physician or a nurse, you're a paramedic, you know, if you have bad judgment or if you're impaired in some way, you make a bad decision or it's just not your day, you know, bad things can happen to other people. And, um, you know, that's something that I've always been very cognizant of. In, in doing this job. And I think people also need to remember too that, you know, for that, that healthcare professional that you're dealing with, 
that you know that's a real person, and um, you know you you want them to do the best job that they can. You want them to be professional, but um, you know little little understanding I think goes a long way. So I mean I think uh, in the process of going over all this and how you know a lot of it frankly sucked for the Adams family, but. You know, I also, there's that part of me that also spares a thought uh, for that doctor, for that intern and meal. I mean, the whole situation is, is just so brutal. And, you know, and, and I'm actually blessed that you, that I was able to do an episode like this because, you know, the, the story is just so incredible. And, and I felt like I personally have to honor, you know, Bernadette myself because, you know, I mean, what she went through, I mean, I mean, God bless her, man. God bless her. And, and I'm actually looking up the French national team uh, did a, you know, honored him with a moment of silence and then a, a pregame applause. I think this was before France played Finland, which actually happened to be in Lyon, which by the way, Lyon is my hometown. So the fact that this took place in a Lyon hospital really gets to me uh, on a bit of a personal side because, you know, I love Lyon. Lyon is, is a fascinating city, great gastronomy, great culture, great architecture, historic. You know, there's really nothing negative about Lyon overall. Yeah, and, you know, I think maybe some of us could, you know, use a little bit, maybe use Bernadette Adams as, you know, kind of an example. And, um, you know, she didn't sit around, you know, she didn't crawl away from life. And, you know, she, she managed to keep, you know, an incredible amount of grace and gentleness about her, you know, in spite of these really awful circumstances. And, um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we can use her as a little bit of an example, you know, maybe we could be a little bit better, you know, better with our loved ones, you know, our spouses, our kids, our parents, um, you know, maybe we could be a little more appreciative because, you know, you're, you're, you're not guaranteed tomorrow with your, with your loved ones. Well said, brother. Well said. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Into the Net FC is available to you on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much for actually coming on and actually enlightening me on this situation because I knew that since you would know about this, I felt like you gave me the best information and you opened my eyes on a lot of things on this whole thing. So thank you. There's a lot of good talking points on this tragic tale. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. 
I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.